welcome back to Shade Podcast with me, Lou Mensah, and our ninth series, where we'll explore the influences that shape black contemporary art today. Inspired by the tradition of the harmony between the lyrical and the visual, these artists' conversations reveal the people and the sounds that inspire their practice. There's a playlist to accompany the series, which was created for you by my guests. So enjoy this convening of spirits to mark the end of the year. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Richard Taylor. Richard is a Missouri-based photographer whose photographs are a window into the Black American experience. His work uses portraiture to address themes of family, race, culture, and legacy. Richard is most recognized for his Little Black Boy series, an ongoing project featuring his son, which earned him an Arnold Newman Prize. His work is actively collected by the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, and he has been featured in publications including National Geographic, The New Yorker, The Atlantic, The Guardian, Forbes, and many more. He's been selected for the 2024 Autograph Lightwork Artist Residency, which will support the development of his work. And there he will join a previous Shade podcast guest, the photographer Jermaine Francis. I was introduced to Richard's work by a joint friend of ours, the photographer Christine Joy Imac, who was a Series 2 guest as well. Richard's photographs embody a communing of influences from the past, present and future. He says, I tell the story of my family history and my story in my son's story. Our conversation starts with Richard telling us about the influence of the Negro spiritual songs on his work. I think about, you know, my own family who were sharecroppers in Mississippi, right? So both my mom and dad's side families came from Mississippi. So, and really connected to that, I think of old Negro spirituals. I think there's something to be said about the origin of those and how slaves would sing these songs. And and really is this idea of, of hope, right? And hope that you know, even though they're going through this horrific, brutal time in history, that there was hope in God and religion and, hey, there's a better place for us. So a lot of the songs spoke of that. And I can just imagine and see in my mind, you know, the ancestors working on the cotton fields and having these hymns, right? Or on Sundays when they would have church. And I think there's this connection between religion and hope, especially for Black people, because slavery took away all of that, right? It it took away the hope. So it was one thing that we could grab onto. And I think it correlates with some of my work, especially as I think about my My America series, because there's this, the tone, it's just this rich richness, I think. And it kind of just speaks to your soul, because I can listen to it now and get almost choked up because Mm. you think about this is what we had. This is all we had. You know, we had these songs and this hope that, you know, we won't be able to escape slavery, but there's a better place after this. There was one inspiration for this series, and it was from a a quote by the photographer Ming Smith, who was a, Mm -hmm. a, a guest on this show. 
her work is known for the joining of the, the lyrical and the visual energy and light that comes from music, particularly jazz. And it just made me really think about that connection between music and art. And she said, if people could feel what I feel when I hear a Billie Holiday song, that's what I would want them to feel when they look at my work. And I wonder what your Billie Holiday song would be. Okay. I don't know if it's just one, but... (laughs) Who's got um, one? I think about... So back in undergrad in terms of like developing film and we would always play music. So I would always play Sade and there was just something about like, I don't know. It's just this calming sense that it brought over me as I, you know, developed and printed and, you know, in her voice, there's just so much love, but then also pain that, duality, you know, multiple things. You can feel multiple things with music and different songs make you feel different ways. And I feel like with a majority of her songs, I go to that place. You can, you know, feel the love and the tenderness and the care, but then you also feel the pain and the struggle, right? And I feel like that's beautiful. And I think my, you know, my work, I feel like it kind of breathes that with it. When you look at the arc of the work um, with the pictures of my son, with the My America series, you know, I, I feel I feel that I would kind of play some of those songs on repeat from her. So it's this idea of music transcending race and culture yes. and everything. So I feel a little bit of that is in my work, too, because obviously this work is about my son being black and me and raising a black son in America. But I feel like even if you have, you know, even if you're not black or person of color or whatever, like you still can connect to certain aspects of the work because we've all had those familial relationships with fathers and sons or uncles or nephews or or whatever it is, uh, mothers. And I feel like the work can connect on that level, which is great because I really want to bring people in. Yeah. And, and really take a, a deeper look at what I'm trying to do. Okay, that's going on the playlist. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. And so the sounds that surround you as you're working, I imagine, are very different. What do you feel around you? Like as you work, what do you hear? What do you feel? It could be different. I'm so kind of locked into where I'm at and what I'm doing that... Yeah. I just zone in on that. That allows me to kind of think and talk to myself and mm. figure out what I'm trying to do. And then I think in a intimate setting at home, a lot of it is just listening to my son because we have a dialogue, right? So it's this dialogue back and forth in our process, kind of giving his ideas and what he wants. So it's just kind of a negotiation. So for me, it's really being attuned and in the moment with the sitter whether it's him or his mom or whoever's in front of the camera. I will say, though, for some of the studio shots that I do, you know, I definitely will have a little soundtrack with some Sade playing. Um, <laughs> or my, or or sometimes if I need to get the mood up, I'll play some reggaeton. I have a soft place for that. My wife is a Dominican, so. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. Because my next question was the sounds to bring the energy up. So it's reggaeton for you. Hands down. Hands down. I'm still working on my Spanish, too, so I, I don't understand a little bit of it. It's just this thing that gets you moving. 
it's hard to be in a room with someone and the music is really good and they're dancing and you're just like Standard. sitting there stoic <laughs> with the same energy. You just can't, right? It's contagious, right? So in order to get the the mood up and things, you know, I, I look at that type of reggaeton or, or something with some some bass that I can kind of move uh, mm. with. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good. And as like we're getting towards the end of the year, towards the festive season, I think it's important to think about how stillness can resonate with us and with a sense of peace and homecoming and anchor for us, like in our creativity as well. You know, we need the rest and the quiet and the stillness as much as we need the inspiration and the excitement. And so I just wonder like how much stillness is part of your creative process. It's it's hard to kind of like turn it off. You know, being a, a full-time artist, I feel like my mind is always going and it's always, you know, what's next? What's next month? What's the month after that? What do I have lined up? You know, so it's definitely a challenge, but it's something that I definitely aspire to do more of. You know, even for me, just quiet and stillness could just be laying in my bed when everyone, you know, my son's at school and my wife's at, at work, like just yeah. being in my room and and literally like doing nothing because I'm always on the go. So yeah. for me, I'll read or meditate just to kind of center me, you know, because the world's going to keep turning and going. So it just helps get me to a place of really just kind of clarity where I can mm. kind of see things that I want to do and, and and just be open to what what kind of pops up. Do you find that you can allow yourself to do that? Do you find it quite easy to switch from one to the other? I'm able to really do it. If I kind of go away somewhere, I go to the beach, <laughs> I go for a walk in the woods. Otherwise, my mind is like always going. So do you find that you need something to help you transition into this place of stillness? And also, what creativity do you find actually that can come from that stillness? I guess I would add on to that exercise. I'm a often on runner. I'm one of those that kind of, I'm really like goal oriented. So I ran the Chicago Marathon before. I've run huh. um, marathon relays before. So for me, it's kind of like, that next task oh, and I okay. get excited for it. Yeah, I get excited. So, but while, but I, I would say while I'm running, when I do run, it is very kind of restorative from a psychological standpoint in terms of my mind, because I'm just yes. kind of free. I love, uh, you know, whenever I can get to a dark room for me, that's kind of meditating. Cause I don't have yeah. to, I mean, you're making, especially if you're like developing or getting film ready or even printing to an extent, it's just kind of calming and I'm just kind of focusing on that and not thinking about everything else I have to do. Yeah, afterward. it's so calming being in a dark room. You're literally shut off. It's like being in a womb. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. Isn't it? And like nothing from the outside world can reach you really when you're in there. And it's interesting that you uh, mentioned running. I hear that like it can be meditative. When I hear running, like I just think of pain and anguish. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm really yeah. jealous. Like I've tried mm-hmm. it. I'm really jealous of people like you who can reach that like meditative state. Like I even read that book by Murakami, which is about running. It's an author and it's called Why I Run or What I Love About Running or something. And I read it because like I loved his writing and I was like, this is going to get me into it. And it didn't work. So I'm really jealous that I've not reached that level of nirvana. No. You know, you could start walking. Is I walk, I helpful. walk. Yeah, that's helpful yeah. too. Yeah, I enjoy it, but it does. I mean, part of me it does kind of still suck, though. Oh, okay, I, I, that's good to hear. <laughs> well, because here's the thing: I, I just, I, you have to like. I try to do like something hard every year, like every year something physical that's hard. So okay. lately, it's been. I do this thing called Hood the Coast. It's in Oregon and it's a marathon relay with 12 people. And each person probably runs anywhere between 16 to 20 miles, 21. You're running nonstop for basically like 30 hours. So you, it's, it's, it's a relay. So each person, so like each person has the wristband or baton and they're running. And then the next person's getting ready. And then, you know, the other is the other van is two vans they're sleeping while the other van is running and like it's kind of pretty I've crazy. never heard of that but the responsibility as well like towards your other well, like that's, oh my god that's the, that's the part of it it's like you feel you're obligated to your team and it's just the yeah. idea of like being on a team and then doing hard things together you know yeah. it obviously kind of keeps you accountable and motivates you so I mean I try to do one hard thing a year, whether it's that or like a half marathon or, or something. <laughs> As if being a photographer, like is not hard enough for Shard. Did you happen across it or like, and it found you or is it something that you knew that you wanted to do? And this is where you are. I think a little bit of both. I think hmm. early on, um, even going back to like junior high, I was photo editor and photographer for the newspaper and yearbook and all that. And I don't know, I, I knew it was something that I was just very passionate about. Mm. And I think over time, obviously that grew. But at the same time, I mean, up, honestly, up until this past summer, I mean, I've had a nine to five job. So photographically, me making photographs is really more of a exercise of me being able to kind of express myself and being in a position to, you know, do that with photography has been really just a blessing because I don't know where, how I would have got through everything. It's given me the space to devote a lot of my time to photography, which is definitely, I see, I mean, I'm seeing the benefits in it. And then also some of it has to come to like discipline, right? Like, I I made myself make pictures, whether it's every week or every other week, like I was taking the camera, even if I wasn't, you know, quote unquote, inspired, I I feel like there's inspiration and creativity that comes out of discipline and doing the same thing over and over again. That's really interesting to hear because I was a photographer before and then I just kind of lost connection with it when I had my daughter and life and it just sort of just, it just dissipated, right? This is over a decade on. And I'm like, come on, Lou, how are you going to reconnect again? Because before, when it was just me, I didn't have like family life. 
it wasn't hard to pick up the camera, do a shoot. Like it just wasn't hard. Go on loads of meetings, try and network, get jobs, all of those things. Like it's all I had to do. Like it was fun. But trying to fit that into like with my family life, I found that actually quite difficult when my child was young. And so that's really interesting that you said that. And I realized that one of the reasons I started the show was to keep that sense of community with my artistic people, right? And it's like, well, if I can't do that, I need this. So this is where this came about. But you just saying that about the discipline, I'm like, I've never considered that. I'm waiting for that one big moment where I'll have a whole year. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Where I can just go, right, this year is for photography. (laughs) Right. I think of it, so in my former life, I was in financial services. So I think of this Mm. idea of kind of compound interest. And over time, the work that you put in, it's like money, right? It's, it's You're compounding, it's growing, it's getting bigger, just like any skill. If you think of, you know, basketball or fo- whatever, soccer or football, you know, however you want to put it. But when you show up every day, you may not be able to see the benefits right then, but over time, gradually getting better. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, making photographs, and I make a lot of bad ones too, right? So they're all, mm. I mean, they're not all good. So mm. I, I think, but for me, like, especially with the little black boy series, I, I kept making photographs for my son, but then I started to see things in the film and I'm like, oh, I like the juxtaposition between, you know, mm. him and this little girl and what he has on. Like, so those things started coming up and then, mm. then that's when kind of the creativity and the ideas start coming like, oh, well, maybe I need. I want to do more of that. And that's how I kind of came up with it. And photography was my professor was just, you know, keep photographing, like don't stop. And you'll, even if you don't know what you're doing or, I mean, half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I just photo, it's intuitive. So you're just photographing things that you're drawn to or people you're drawn to or areas or whatever. And then those things start to show themselves as you do more of it. Mm. And then that's where you can kind of direct it. And say, oh, I like this aspect of this photograph. Let me explore that and dig deeper. Or let me do some research mm. on who else in photography has done this in the past. You know, I think that's a really interesting final thought Like to end our conversation. You go towards then the photo that you want to take. And I think that it's the photo that we need to take Like sometimes. At that point like in our journey, Like what is it showing us that we need to see as right. um separate from being a photographer, like as a person, as part of my personal growth, what is it that this image that I'm drawn to or that that intuition that you're talking about is actually something that we need to carry on our journey? And that's what comes through, I think, in the photograph. You mentioned intuition. And Mm. I think I so when you made the comment, you talked about not maybe you know haven't photographed in a while or whatnot but you're doing this and i feel like a podcast like this is so enriching to others that listen to it like especially for me like listening to it and hearing ideas like that inspires me but i would make this one point that everything that we consume whether it's reading music podcasts it really enriches our psyche right so whatever comes out of you know, whatever you photograph or write is really a reflection of what you're putting in. So going back to the kind of doing things every day, like it comes out in your everyday. 
I think what you're doing is great and I appreciate it. I think I needed to hear that too. So that was really kind and a generous thought. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Shade Podcast with the brilliant Rashad Taylor. I was so interested to hear about his telling of ancestral stories through his large format photographs of his loved ones. It was refreshing to hear how discipline is such an important part of his practice and how he looks to music as diverse as the Negro spirituals, reggaeton and Sade to fuel his inspiration. Be sure to look up his work using the links that I've shared in the podcast description. Subscribe to Shade Podcast to listen to all the episodes in this series. Also explore Shade Art Review on Substack, joining thousands of art-curious listeners like you who are discovering more about the work of visual artists from the Black diaspora. There you'll find art listings, comment, artist spotlights and guest posts, and free subscriptions are available. But for the full Shade Art Review experience, sign up today to receive 20% off your annual membership, an offer which is available for the duration of this series. This series of Shade Podcasts was produced and hosted by me, Lou Mensa, and mixed by Tess Davidson. See you next time.